everybody, what's up? This is Steve Wichel in New Orleans, Cover Band Central Wisdom Hour, number 20. Yeah, and Tony Bonner coming to you live from New Jersey. Yes, sir. What's up, dude? We made it to 20. What's happened? Yeah, Wisdom Hour number 20. That's a big milestone right there. I believe it is. We are wow. Yes, we are uh, steamrolling ahead. There we go. And we are... Li- we are- I'm sorry, go ahead. Impressive. Yes, most impressive. We are live on the Caravan Central page right now. For me, it is uh, Monday night, 7 p.m. Central Time. And uh, we will do the show for an hour. So if you're listening right now, uh, it's live for you, I guess. (laughs) It's live from New Jersey. Monday night live. Right. And I am sharing it to the group, Caravan Central group. All right, just making sure we're there, and we are. And if we get any comments or questions from you guys, we will respond to them immediately, or almost immediately. If not sooner. Right. So what's going on, bro? How was your week? Great. So far, so good. Last week was cool. Uh, Weather's been good. It's been very uncharacteristically warm up here. Hey, how'd you make out with the um, hurricane? Uh, yeah, we had a Hurricane Nate, which turned into Tropical Storm Nate. Um, you know, I'm starting to think that the Weather Channel and these news outlets um, hype up some things to get more ratings because it looked really bad on the the um, the radar, the TV, and um, I did a lot of preparation for it. I, I I already had done some preparation uh, a month or so ago when the one that that ended up in Florida, and I can't even remember the name of that one, but um, I did even more because I was anticipating, like, uh, what if the power was out for several days? You know, I got to be ready for this stuff, so I did all that. And then, uh, you know, I normally play on Saturday night, and uh, that's when the hurricane was scheduled to hit. And we were told Friday night that we are, it's business as usual and we're going in and we're playing. And I was sh- shocked because, you know, they're, they were calling for a curfew in town and everything and, uh, you know, state of emergency, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, okay. And I kind of disagreed with the idea of that. And then some clo- uh, some clubs on Bourbon Street actually did close for Saturday and Saturday night. But our club stayed open and we went in, I went into um, to work just like normal and we do. We barely got anything here. <laughs> we, like we barely even got any rain. Um, it wasn't really like there was a little squall that came through in the afternoon, just kind of a quick uh, downpour, uh, some thunder and, and a little wind. But once that went away, that was it. We didn't get anything, which was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I think the weather's so unpredictable nowadays too that they plan for the worst and then you know. Once it hits land, it seems to dissipate rapidly or at least change, you know, dramatically from what they thought it was going to be. But, hey, that's why they're weather people, right? They don't need to be right. Yeah, I guess. That's a great job, huh? <laughs> job where you don't have to actually know what you're talking about. Now you see these clouds here and this, this green blotch here? That's headed your way. Got to go get a couple. It could ca- be bad or it could be not so bad. could be. But just in case, go get a couple cases of water and... A few gallons of milk and all of the bread and, um, you know, every size battery, just in case. 
It better safe than sorry, though, right? At least it didn't. That is true. It'd rather have no impact than be terrible. Yes, I would agree, sir. Um, yeah, so it was cool. Um, so it ended up being a, a really good night because because some of the clubs were closed, there were um, fewer places for people to go. So our club was pretty packed uh, for the majority of the night, and uh, it was fun. You know, it was the hurricane party, the the hurricane that never was party. <laughs> Um, and we had a good time. We had a good night, and and people were uh, dancing and singing and drinking and and all the things that people do. And uh, hey, you got good turnout, which is always key. Yeah, and there weren't a lot of people out for a Saturday night, especially not a lot of people out. But of course, there was supposed to be a hurricane, so so that explains that. Can't expect people to come out during a hurricane. What's the matter with you? I don't know. It's a lot of things matter with me, Tony. <laughs> and how was the rest of your week gig-wise? I was good. Um, I did, yeah, I did six nights last week. I'm doing six nights again this week because I'm a sucker. Anytime somebody asks me to play, I say yes. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I love playing. That's how you stay working. Yeah, I love playing. So tonight is my only night off this week. But it's all good. I love playing. I love making money. Two fun things that I get to do in life. So um, I'm trying to think of any sort of highlights from last week. Uh, there's none that I can think of. This week, though, uh, well, I mentioned uh, that uh, my friend, I never met him in person, but Paul Kent from Gigab Podcast, he's in town, and I invited him to come last night to come play jump on stage with us but he was busy with work function stuff so he was unable to make it so i was kind of disappointed about that but um uh this week i'm doing six nights and wednesday we have a private party at the swamp which is always fun um good times for sure yeah they close off the club to the public and usually there's food and we're not allowed to partake in the food, which is kind of a bogus deal. We used to be. And then some people, I think, were taking advantage of it. <laughs> Just like eating a little bit too much. Of the the taking it home with you, it's kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're not from this particular one particular caterer. If it's going to be the same person tomorrow or Wednesday, then uh, I guess we won't be allowed to eat. But um, private parties are always fun because it's a different dynamic in the same room you know we we uh we have to approach it uh, differently um as far as song selection as far as the pace um as far as presentation um and uh you, we usually start out kind of like you know you would for a wedding or like a uh what's the thing before the wedding before the reception the uh dinner cocktail hour, cocktail hour. yeah thank you um you know, so we'll start with kind of more mellow stuff. Usually, if it's a, if it's a, you know, the the companies that hire uh, or that rent out the swamp for private parties are usually corporate, just you know, corporate normal folk that uh, that the company is splurging for, and uh, you know, they like to come in and eat and to quiet mellow stuff. But we don't we don't really play quote unquote wedding music um, there, but we can. Definitely pick some of the quieter, mellower rock tunes. The soft rock at the swamp. 
106.4 soft rock at the swamp. <laughs> Why is this thing not? Funny you should say that because I'm playing this weekend, Saturday, uh, private function, about 200 people, charity event. Oh, cool. Uh, real good time. Outdoors, beautiful, like we talked about. Weather looks like it's going to be fantastic for this weekend. So I'm real excited about that. She has some good stories for next week. Awesome. Because this is a charity function, but it is definitely not mellow cocktail hour music. It will be full full scale rock. Cool. Um, and you said it's a charity function, but you are getting paid, right? Isn't that what you said? Yep. That's and cool. we will probably donate back a percentage of our pay to the charity. There you go. What, what is the charity? Do you want to mention it? Charity is called Strides for Sarah, and it's, uh, we played, uh, well, you know, every year they, they raise money for the, uh, this uh, handicapped girl named Sarah, and they got her a wheelchair the one year, and then put an addition on her house one year with an elevator and some handicap accessible features, uh, did a bunch of construction, and uh, they're having a big cornhole tournament uh, for this year's charity, and all the money raised will go to strides for sarah which is you know to help the family and uh sarah to you know have a better life and enjoy them themselves and be able to take some of the burden away from uh the costs associated with you know all the things that go along with having a handicapped child that's awesome dude I, i'd love being part a part of things like that where it's just it's good all around man yeah, we're blessed to do it, and you know, like I said, we're you know we've been a part of it for years, and uh, it's a really good cause, and it's a real feel good. You know, everyone uh, everyone pitches together. Like I said, it's about two hundred people or so that are going to come together for this, and it's all raised you know privately. Right on. Very good, man. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. Do you guys take? Um, I know we've seen well, I've seen your studio video stuff, but do you guys take live video ever? Does anybody do it for you when you're uh, playing? I've put, like, my phone up, you know, or shot some video that way, but we haven't had much success trying to shoot live video or have someone do it. Um, but, you know, we have done some efforts on our own. But now that we have the new board, uh, I'd love to try to integrate some sort of, you know, the audio output of the mix into some sort of live recording, you know, because I think it would be really... Uh, It'd be fun and it'd be beneficial for the band as well. Yeah. You know, because the website's down. We're experiencing trouble with the website right now. So we have to get together, Brad, to revamp the website or redirect it for the time being. But, um, you know, it was an older version of the website. So some of the code and the way the platform that it was created on is obsolete. So we're gotcha. in the process of revamping everything. Gotcha. Um, yeah. But, like, with the video. It, is there a particular reason that you don't like shoot your your band playing live? Is, is it because nobody thinks of it, or because you don't have anybody to do it from the crowd perspective, or because you want it to be you want to make sure it's really really no, high quality? Or no, don't have anybody to do it. We've done it in the past with you know cell phone video and posted it, you know, just so it's a clip of the band. Right. Not worried about it being perfect or having to be what it is. It's live, you know. Right. And uh, it's it's you know our sound is pretty dialed in but now that we got the new board you just really want to work through all the bugs and make sure that it's you know operating as it should because one of our staples is always that the band sounds like the record 
you know, as far as a mix goes, really take time to make sure that everything's real even and not stepping on top of each other and, right. you know, uh, and play that way accordingly, you know? Right. But no, great idea. It's just, like I said, I even have a GoPro. Uh, like I said, I, I shot a bunch of video over the years, a lot of drum cam stuff. You know, I'd set the, the cell phone up behind me over the top of the drums, get some good shots that way. But the audio is not so good because the cymbals always tend to blow it up, you know, and then out front. Um, yeah, we have some video, but it's just, yeah, it's just been a challenge of getting someone to do it. A lot of still photography, you know, but not a lot of right. video. I almost feel like it's these, these, you know, because I've played so many gigs, especially in the last seven years, that it's like all these times I've played, it's, they're just a memory. You know, there's no, I mean, some stuff there's a record of, but a lot of, you know, most of it, there's there's no record of it. There was a point when I was in Jersey when I was, I had this, I got this video camera that was analog tape, the little tiny uh, videotapes, and I was, and I had a tripod and I was setting it up from the crowd point of view from the back where you could see the whole stage and I would just set it to record. Um, and it, I had like a 60 minute tape in there or something like that. So I would just record one set, go and put in a new tape and record the next set. And I got some, I captured some really good stuff that I did with bands, but it's just such a small part of the stuff that I've done. And I really wish I had a, you know, I suppose I could. I tried it here um, at the swamp, but it's hard to find a location to set up a tripod at the swamp. But there's this little staircase towards the back of the room, and I did that once, and I recorded it um, from there. But the problem was that there's a subwoofer near there, and it was shaking. <laughs> it was shaking the tripod, so the camera was shaky the whole time. So it didn't doesn't look really look good. Um, but yeah, if I mean that's an idea to do if you have a good location. You know, you just set up a tripod, set up your camera, hit hit record, and now most of those cameras are digital, so they'll hold more than an hour, um, and uh, and then go and do your show. And then you have there's a lot if you have the whole stage captured, there's a lot of ways you can edit it. Like if you go into Movie Maker, which is what I I did Windows Movie Maker, but there's other programs for it too, um, and you can kind of zoom in on stuff and you can pan stuff. Um, and make it look like somebody was holding a camera and moving. Um, so uh, that's that's uh, for anybody out there who wants to do some filming. That's a, an idea you can ut utilize that works really well. I wish I, I could do it because, like Crazy Corner, there's nowhere, there's no place in that room where I can set up a tripod. So the only way for me to film it is to get somebody to do it, and that's that's tough. Unless I hire somebody. Yeah, I mean, plenty of times, you know, I did set up a tripod in the front, especially at outdoor gigs, you know, it's a lot easier to just set it up. But, you know, and, you know, believe it or not, the iPhone, you know, or even, uh, you know, uh, had a, a Galaxy, Samsung Galaxy, that was another good video phone. You know, the, the like the iPhone 6 that I have takes great video, you know, real decent audio. And uh, it, it definitely is, is good. You know, I also have a digital camcorder with like a surround sound on it. But again, you got to set it up and you got to have enough memory in it, you know, to shoot the whole night. And like you said, you have to go back and edit it. Right. Uh, so it's just, you know, the time to do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I'm playing five nights a week, six, six nights a week it, and running Cover Band Central. There's no way I have time to do things like that. Like 
on a nightly basis anyway, but once in a while, it'd be nice to have the whole gig or at least a good chunk of the gig on recorded, you know, so I can show my grandchildren if I ever even have children. <laughs> I could show your grandchildren. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, really, I have, you know, tons of video over the years that, you know, some was edited and some just wasn't. So the stuff that wasn't is just, you know, it's just not wasted, but you know what I mean? It deteriorates over time because it's on tape. Yeah, right, right. I just, I really treasure the stuff that I do have recorded. And even like going back to my early years and stuff, I still have videotapes of gigs I did, which I would really like to transfer to digital. Um, but that like, it's all the, all these memories of stuff. They're just memories. And, and a lot of those memories are just gone because of the frequency. I, yeah, I mean, I there. have tons of, of VHS, you know, videotapes from in the past, but that, that's a good topic, you know. We should open that up to a broader conversation of, you know, when you videotape your band live, right, it gives you a good reference to see what the crowd is seeing and what it sounds like, you know. Right. So, you know, we're talking about doing it for posterity's sake and to have it as, you know, a marketing tool, which are all good things. But most importantly, you know, you can watch... You know, the most telling things are, what does the band look like on stage? Are people moving around? It look like you're having a good time. You know, are you just standing there playing? Like maybe playing the song perfect, but if it looks like a statue, it doesn't add to the the entertainment factor, you know? So I was always a big proponent, especially in the early days, of videotaping every gig and then almost like a highlight tape or, you know, we would sit down as a band and watch it and go back through it and say, you know, this is what we should be doing differently and... Here's how we should be, you know, adjusting this so it sounds better and using it more like a highlight reel or like a game day tape, you know, like you would in football, say, and go back and watch it and see what you can do differently, what you did good, you know, and that's how the band as a whole gets better across the board, yes, right? Sir. Musically, visually, uh, the mix-wise, performance-wise, uh, it's just good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I try to hammer that home all the time, how the value of recording yourself, whether it's just on audio or uh, or on video, too. It's tremendously... I mean, we've talked about that before. It's tremendously value, valuable. I remember, like, the first time I recorded in a studio, or the first couple times, I guess, I recorded in a studio. And back, You know, I was a teenager back then. Um, but how glaringly eye-opening that was to you know, what I think I'm doing and what I think it sounds like to what it, what I'm actually doing and what it actually sounds like. Um, and yeah, I remember th there was this one, he was like, a, he owned a studio and he was an engineer. He was also a musician. And I was just doing, um, I think there was, I think we did track by track. We didn't record it live. And so there was a drum track and I'm doing my bass parts with the drums. And I, there was probably a scratch track with vocals and, and guitar Anybody doesn't know what that means. A scratch track is just a sort of a temporary guide for you to record the song. So it's, you know, it's something that's going to be uh, later uh, re-recorded. Um, but, um, and I remember playing along with the drums and the, the engineer guy, he was saying like, no, you're off on that kick. Like you're, you're, you're late on that kick. And I was like, no, I'm not. Who, what do you know? Who do you think you are? And then we'd listen back and be like, oh, okay. So I really had to learn. That was a very good learning experience for me early on, learning how to play tight with a drummer um, by recording it, by doing it in the studio and, and hearing it back. Um, 
I learned to be the kick. I had to be the kick. Don't listen to the kick. Be the kick. Very valuable. <laughs> Very zen, like. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it has to be locked. You know, I remember Dennis Chambers years ago. You know, world-renowned drummer, and he always said, if you don't know the song or you're uncertain what to play with your bass drum, listen to what the bass player is playing, and that's where you can find the home. You know, you can find the pocket. Ooh. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let's always listen to the bass player because the bass player is always right. It's here for bass players. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know how we got into that. Oh, I was asking you about your gig, if you recorded stuff. So always love it. Sometimes, but not as much lately as I would like to. Right. Um, it's a good thing to do though. Definitely. Um, so, uh, so I got, I'm very excited. Dude. Just like an hour and a half ago, maybe two hours ago, I got this package in the mail that I ordered a week ago or two weeks ago of studio lighting. Cause I've been doing a lot of Facebook live broadcasts on the cover band central in the, in the group. Um, just going in and talking to people. I went in and talked after, uh, last week after the Vegas thing and Tom Petty, and then, uh, and I'll just pop, if I see a topic that's being discussed or there's some uh, um, turmoil going on in the group, I'll pop in like uh, Grand Poobah and and uh, try to settle people down and, and restate the guidelines. Give them the boot. Yeah, I've had to boot people. But then today, some stuff was really getting out of hand. Um, it, it, there's this sort of, people follow these trends it's easy it, it's it's interesting to watch how the, the the trends occur in the group like somebody will post something that gets some sort of reaction and then you'll get somebody else that posts something similar and then it starts this wave of of this this trajectory of of topics um and it was just getting a little bit people were posting jokes like a lot of people like sort of sarcastic jokes that were really not providing any value to anybody in the group and um some people were getting upset about it so i've started i only started a few days ago but going in and deleting i i go i didn't do this before before this thing blew up but i go in now and i check every post every day and if there's nonsense there i'll de i'll just delete it and i can even delete it and block the user too and i don't i try not to do that all that much unless somebody's really being belligerent um but people were just kind of getting mean-spirited and stuff with with stuff so i had to go in and put the kibosh on that and uh so i did a live this morning um or this afternoon i should say but i got this lighting in today and i'm going to start doing more facebook lives um with like tutorials i think i told you about this last week um tutorials and and coming up with programs um so I wanted to look professional, and I have this professional studio lighting now. So I'm really excited about. I was just setting it up when you uh, when you pinged me earlier. It's very exciting. Professional. Yeah, I'm hoping it's going to look professional. I'm going to get a green screen and have a nice backdrop too, and where I can put up graphics and and ideally I want to. You know, I would. I'd really love to do like a show, like a almost like a, a Saturday Night Live weekend update type of thing. Um, that, you know, talks about news in the, the world of musicians and or cover bands and, uh, 
and show clips and stuff. And I can do that all with, in my tiny apartment here with the right equipment. It's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Dude, the green screen would be very cool. Yeah. And it's they're not that expensive. And I don't think there's too much of a learning curve setting it up. Um, I already have the software that I need. Um, and now I have the lighting. I have a, a good camera. I have a good microphone. So I just need that green screen. I just don't have a lot of room. So I might have to improvise with what I want to uh, use for a screen rather than the traditional one that you buy. Um, I'll I'm sure you can get them in all different sizes, right? Yeah, I don't know. They, they, all the ones that I've seen are, are very large, uh, like 10 feet long. And I don't have 10 feet of space to set up a studio. Oh. How do you get the different imagery on the green screen? Um, it's with the um, with the software. Uh, I'm using a, a, a program called OBS Studio, um, and you just uh, you put in your graphics in this. You, you can pick um, from. There's all sorts of options of things that you can pick to put in there, like whether it's text or. Uh, 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 an image from the internet or a video clip or whatever and it'll show up uh, on there and you just pick a background image and I have the camera facing me so um, the camera is looking at me and w w using OBS Studio and whatever background image I put in there is going to show up there um, as long as I and I just ha can't wear a green shirt or green clothes because then I will my torso would disappear <laughs> Um, I've never actually done it myself, so I can tell you more about it one, once I have it done. But I get the concept of it anyway. Very exciting, dude. Looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. And then, uh, so uh, today is Facebook Live. I went in and I kind of scolded people for misbehaving. <laughs> and and kind of laid down the law again of, of stuff and looked asked people for ideas for, for reining in the... the the, the nonsense on the in the group and then throughout this idea with the website I, I already with the website I already want to have a forum section which is similar to the group in that you know you discuss topics I'm gonna to have it organized by instrument by band types and and this way it's more organized it's more searchable um, and there'll be less uh, uh, repeating topics um, but I'm considering charging for the website or for the forum or I'm not sure yet. And I, I, I threw that out there today with them saying like, you know, like five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month at the most. And the benefit of that would be that you would get people in there that are serious, that are really looking to really advance themselves or share things or, or a network or whatever. And you would weed out the, the trolls. The people that are just in there to goof off because they're not going to pay for it, uh, most likely, unless they're really rich and they want to just come in and troll a, a website. But, um, and I think that would be a really good service for them. And considering all the time and thousands of hours that I put into this, um, I deserve to start making some money from it. And that's not a whole lot to ask. You know, five bucks, ten bucks a month. It's a cup of coffee, a couple cups of coffee. Um, so, and I got good feedback from that. I got people saying I would do it and I would do it and I would do it. So I'm going to sort of start leaning towards that with the website and, um, uh, entertaining that idea anyway. 
and I'll probably give people that are in the group right now a deal if they want to if they join like within the first 30 days or 60 days um, just to be loyal to these people that have been around and uh, so that's uh yeah that's what's going on with that and I'm pretty excited about it Listen, it makes sense, right? It's the next step in the evolution of, like you said, thousands of hours of, of developing, you know, the platform, right? And now you can streamline it and make it even better, you know, by having some time. And also, like, to your point, when people pay for something, they respect it more and they're, you know, they're more inclined to use it productively. Right. Right. You know, yeah, there's nothing wrong with saying, here's something that's valuable, um, so we expect you to pay for it. Um, and I think what we have, what I have with this whole thing is extremely valuable. And I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to go above and beyond um, with providing stuff for people, uh, resources and um, tools um, that's well worth more than five bucks or ten bucks a month. Um but that will enable me to be have the freedom to, to work on it because if I start uh, generating some revenue from this, then I don't have to play as much. And I'd really rather play, you know, pick and choose a little bit more. Um, I do love what I do and I do love the jobs that I have now. Um, but I also really love working on Cover Band Central and I'd really like to devote a lot more time to it. Um, so if I can uh, make money doing that, then that's what I'm going to do. Because it's fun, and it's helpful, and people are digging it. Well, and like you said, you know, if you were if you could supplement the income instead of gigging and apply the time to the Cover Band Central platform, then you know it'd be that much better, right? Mm. Absolutely. And then you know, if I start making good money, I can hire other people to do other things on the site, and you know, exactly. Give, give, yes. Give people work, and uh, and have the freedom for myself to. You know, I want to travel. I want to come up and see you and come jam with your band and, and uh, just, you know, travel around and, and play other places. I am doing... Did I tell you that I got a tour? Did I tell you that? No, do oh. tell. Yeah, I got offered a uh, a tour. It's a short tour, um, about two weeks in the beginning of next year. Uh, I don't know exact dates yet. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, where, where we're going to be traveling or anything. I know the band... I heard their music and it's good. They're they're like country rock kind of band, um, very very popular down here, and uh, very popular in just popular music. Uh, and they're good, you know. They have some good songs, some good hooks. And uh, I got offered this uh, from this agent that I used to work with um, this tour, and he said there's a lot of potential for this band um, to to break out. Um, so uh, it could be something that really is uh, really good for me i love touring i love being on the road and, and meeting new people and seeing new places and done it several times and it's it's a blast so i'm looking forward to that yeah all original yep all original uh as far as i know i don't know if they're going to play any covers but that's a, such a great topic too that we could go into here um all original music. Somebody wrote the, those tunes. Uh, that's not me. So I get hired for this gig. I basically have gotten hired for this. So now I have to learn their songs. And for me, 
that approach is exactly the same as it would be if I learned if I had to go learn a Guns N' Roses song or any right. song to exactly. play in a cover band. Cover. Yeah, it's you know it's that that's such a a big thing for me is like you, the approach. If you didn't write the song, then you're playing a cover. Because it's the same thing. You're learning the song. If you didn't record... Well, I mean, let's say if you didn't record the original version, because some some bands will have, you know, one or two songwriters, and then the whole band records the song. So, okay, you're writing your own drum part. You're writing your own bass part for that song. Okay, that's not playing a cover. But if you didn't record the original version, if you're not on it, you're playing a cover song. If you didn't write it, you're playing a cover song. It's the same approach. Right? Absolutely. You know, and if you take it seriously, if you take playing in a cover band that seriously, um, where you really want to be as authentic as possible um, to and honor the original artist, the original recording, then you're going to end up getting... If you're just in that habit of working like that, I think you're going to end up getting a lot of work. That's what has worked for me. Because um, I've played with a lot of original artists where I had nothing to do with writing the songs or recording the songs. So I'm just learning it the same way that I learned a cover. And trying to be, trying to honor the song and honor that, that um, songwriter and the band and the original recording and all that. Um, and I, I, I feel the same way regardless of what, I, what music I'm playing. Because I'm not a songwriter. I've written some silly stuff, but I'm not a songwriter. Um, and uh, I don't know. Do do you do you, uh, do you take the same approach? Do you think of it like that, or do you, does it not occur to you when you're learning stuff? Typically, when I'm learning songs, right, I listen to the songs a bunch of times, right, to understand the arrangement and get down all the parts, right? Then go back and focus on the nuances of this and that, you know, to make it more authentic. But I do think about, you know, and it's interesting sometimes too, when, like when I was younger and I would play along to, to, to covers, you know, you'd see, you'd find interviews with certain members of the band or, or drummers, you know, and they would talk about how they created the part or what they were thinking of when they created that drum part or what was going on in their life at that point in the tour when they did that album, you know, and that was always cool to get some insight into how they thought about it and really came full circle, you know, later on in life when I had students of mine who would come to me and say, Hey, I was learning this eye of the storm song that, you know, or another original that I wrote or played on. And they would say, I'm trying to figure out this fill. Is this how you played it? You know? And that was very rewarding to then show you know, someone exactly how came up with that part or how to stick it or how to, you know, approach it. And maybe it was different from then they had been, how they had been thinking about it, but it could have been influenced by a lot of different factors, you know, setup, size of the drums, you know, environment, the studio, like you said, you play differently in a recording studio than you do when you play live. But in learning a lot of these songs nowadays, you know, as covers, yeah, I, I always go back and try to think about how it was when they recorded it, you know, and you can really hear the difference uh, in different different bands and different 
uh, approaches and, and, you know, size of drum sets and recording methods and technologies. And, you know, what's interesting too, is sometimes you, you find it like, uh, a lot, a lot of times on Stevie wonder tracks, when you really listen to it, there's a separate hi-hat track in there. Really? You know? <laughs> how can you hear that? Well, if you put it into the headphones, you can hear, because remember, i got to learn how to play the song, right? So no different than you learning how to play the song on bass. If I'm listening to, like, um, let's say, uh, let me think of a Stevie tune that definitely has it in there. Like, um, Isn't she lovely? Does that have it? No, 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 no. Like older Stevie, like uh, maybe um, give me some Stevie songs from 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 older days oh, that are more popular. I'm drawing a blank on I, tunes. Up. I don't know what's older and not older, um, but you know, point taken. What's the Stevie tune? Do 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 is that Sir Duke or no? That's is that Sir Duke. No, no it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know the song. I'm singing it in my head right now, and I can't think of the, the title of it. And I played. Well, that, if you hear it straight ahead, someone's playing like like straight high, and there's another track going like it's a second track. You know, same with. There's a bunch of Stevie tunes like that, but if you really listen to them, even um, Bee Gees tunes like uh, Staying Alive, listen to Staying Alive very carefully and you'll hear two hi-hat tracks in there. One that the guy's playing and then another one in there for, you know, he's playing like eighth notes, kind of rock straight ahead and another one playing 16th with the disco feel in the background, but they're two distinct tracks, you know, and you can you can totally pick that out. All right, Kel just schooled us on what song that is. I wish is the song. Yes, I wish, and then there's another tune um, that we do. Uh, I forget now. If Kel's on the line. The other Stevie tune, same thing. There's two tracks there. So if you really, really listen to it, it's like they went and they played through the tune, right? And they recorded it, and they all did their parts, and then you know Stevie went back later because he's a drummer too and felt like it needs a different hi-hat feel to drive the song, you know? And as a drummer, you can only play one of the two, right? So you have to do a kind of a hybrid and try to play the two of them together, you know? But that's the cool thing about, like, staying alive. There's a disco 16th note hi-hat in there, but then there's also a straight-ahead 8th note more rocking, laid-back-in-the-pocket feel. So it kind of gives it that real groovy, you know, uh, it's disco, you know? It's from that era of the 70s with the disco feel, but it has more of a rock undertone to it, you know? That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool stuff. So uh, things like that I pick out sometimes in here because it's like there's no way you could play that at the same time. Right. You know? So something like that to me might stick out to where I'll say, oh, okay, cool. Um, you know, let's see how to incorporate that or see what the artist was intention was, right, as far as how to, uh, you know, how to, how to make it have a better feel to it. By something as simple as that, just adding another track of hi-hat. No different than putting a shaker in there, you know? A shaker or a tambourine. Those little things are what really stand out, you know? Or a tambourine on two and four during the chorus only, you know? Like you pick up things like that, at least from my seat, you know, when I'm learning songs. I try to listen to it from that perspective. It's not just what the groove is, but then once you know the song, 
you can go back and really analyze it and break it down. Yeah. That that can lead us to a great thing to talk about that comes up all the time in the group about about uh, playing songs. And we may have talked about this before, but it's worth repeating and worth digging deeper into. Um, when you're playing songs with your band, playing cover songs, how close do you want to stay to the actual recording? How authentic do you want to be? Do you want to um, put your own spin on it? And one person answered uh, both, and that's the correct answer. Um because I, I believe that you need to, if you're learning cover songs, you need to learn the song right first, above everything else. Learn it right. Know the, you know, know your parts, the way it was recorded, and then it's going to happen organically anyway that you're going to put your own spin on it. Because there is absolutely no way on earth that you can exactly replicate the way a recorded song was recorded the way a song was recorded you cannot do it not even the band that recorded the song will you know because you know the difference like sometimes there's songs it's like oh that's a great song but their live version is so much better because the band goes out and they they embellish they they it, it it's a it's a living breathing thing it's organic and, and it changes um so you know, that's my feeling. It's like, you learn it, learn it right. Make sure you know it right um, before anything else. And then it, it's just going to naturally happen. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel something cool or something's going to happen. Like uh, the drummer's going to do something cool that, that isn't on the recording and you're going to follow it and then you're going to do that every time. And that's going to be your thing, you know, for that song, for that part of that song, you know. And I mean, that's just a natural fun thing that happens when we play live um so you know people that are that are kind of pasha that the uh, oh i don't want to learn it the way it is i want to you know make yeah you want to make it your own but you you have to respect what was originally re- recorded you have to at least know it that's my opinion i know i'm very passionate about it what do you think no, I do. You don't want to. You don't want to make it your own, right? Until you've learned how it should be, and then, like you said, organically, some things may may you know happen when you play it live. You know, you may play a certain lick or a certain fill, and the bass player follows you, or vice versa, or the guitar player, and then you might do it that way again, or you might find cool stuff to your point too, where you know you you're listening to a cover, and you're going to learn it, but you look up like a bunch of live tracks of it, you know, because maybe it's super produced in the studio, right? And like you said, how are they replicating it live? Are they playing to a track? Are they playing to, you know, how are they replicating it? And nine times out of ten, you'll find that, you know, they're not playing it to a track and that they're replicating it live, and it might be slightly different to get the same feel to achieve that, you know? And, And that's really cool. And you can pick up some stuff on there, too, where you say, wow, you can do a hybrid, like you said, incorporate the best parts of the studio and the best parts of the live. Yeah, always check out live. Like, if you're really into this and you're really serious, and I, I just do it because I'm just a fan of music, but, you know, check out the live version of some of these songs and see what the band did and how they changed it. And a thing I really like to do, too, is watch the bass player. How is he playing it? You know, with songs that I've been playing for forever, for decades, I want to go see... I want to watch the, the bass player. Like, okay, and, and still kind of keep myself in check. Like, am I doing this the right way? Am I keeping it authentic? And or and or is my way better for me? 
you know, but I like to see it, you know, like, okay, like, am I right? Am I, you know, am I sure? Um, and I'll pick, you know, certain ways of playing things um, that are different just based on the t- sometimes the timbre of the, of the, the string. Like, for instance, I like to play the E on the A string um, at the, the seventh fret. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seventh fret. <laughs> I had to count in my head. As opposed to the E on the, the D string on the second fret. And it's the same exact note, but I just like the timbre of that A string. And it it's easier to bend and stuff. So I'll uh, so a lot of people, uh, bass players, will stay at the top there, the first three frets area, um, whereas I like to kind of dance around more on the, you know, down in that seventh fret area. Um, but I like to see what everybody did originally, too, and see, like, wonder, like, okay, why did they do it that way, and why is, maybe their way is better, let me try their way, too. And uh, there's so much can, that can be gleaned from really kind of watching the, the band or the artist who originally recorded the stuff and, and respecting it, too not thinking that you're you're going to do it better. Well, you know, that brings up a great point, too, where nowadays you can go on YouTube, right? And you got guys dissecting all kinds of songs, uh, you know, on how to play stuff, right? So if you're confused or you're, you're, you're thinking of a way to do it, you can find it in addition to just finding a live version. Because sometimes you might see the live version, too, and, you know, you see the way the guitar player is playing it or, to your point, how he's how he's fingering the frets, you know? because of the options that are available to him. And he's playing a certain way, but maybe it could be played another way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know, um, Raise Your Glass by Pink, right? The the intro part of that, the guitar lick, can mm-hmm. be played a couple of different ways, you know? It was funny because uh, we played it, you know, with, with my band, you know, and Steve had figured it out a certain way, and then we had a sub guitar player, and he played it a different way, different fretting, different stick, you know, different fingering, but it was the same timbre, like you said, you know, same part, just different, different way of playing it. Right. It's cool. But all good stuff, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, you make it your own to a point because you're going to put your personality into it, you know, and however you play is going to come through, but you do want to honor the original arrangement and, you know, part that was written and you can embellish it you know a little bit and personalize it but you don't want to drift too far away to where it becomes something completely different you know right um i I just thought of something when you were talking about steve because uh when i used to play with you guys you probably still play it but i used to play uh mary mary jane's last dance and steve would sing it and do the harmonica part uh which i don't see a lot of bands doing i we play that song and we don't do that part. Um, like, we don't have a harmonica player. At, or a keyboard player, for that matter. Um, <laughs> um, but we had to do it because you, you guys are tuned down, right? Like a half step down? Yes, correct. Yeah, you're tuned a half step down, so we would have to do it in in B flat, I believe. A half step off, we had to do it. Um, when I played that song... So the harp would be in in, in tune, um, and that's uh, that's another th- topic that um, is ripe for discussion with with uh, keys of songs. Um, there's a, a few songs that I do here regularly uh, where we do uh, play it in a different key 
to accommodate the singer. Um, now, in that case, what you do with Steve with the Tom Petty song, you're doing it to accommodate the uh, the fact that you're half step down. Um, so to try to keep it original and with the the hard part, because if you didn't have that harmonica, then you could play it in in the the uh, the right position, um, but it would sound a half step down. But most people don't notice half steps. Um, most the average listener can't tell, but um, that's a really good tool to utilize for people out there. If your singer is having trouble with um, hitting certain notes in certain songs, you modulate it, change the key. That's what the pros do, um, and especially in if you see like live performances on. I know people are gonna roll their eyes at this, but like singing shows like. The voice and idol and stuff like that. Um, the the singer will they'll they'll change the key for the singer whoever the, the singer is. Um, so that's not that's not something that people always consider to be a, a solution. Like a lot of times, people will kick out songs like, "Oh, we can't do this song because uh, you know it's too high for me." Well, can you change the key to it and still make it sound authentic? I got to put that on my list of pointers. <laughs> great point because it is a good option you know that maybe people aren't realizing yeah so Kel says we sound great and he he, he, go, he goes to the website on his iPhone he's listening on his iPhone and he says we sound great excellent thanks Kel we appreciate the feedback you know yeah it's nice to have some Live feedback, because nobody else... Uh, I haven't checked the page in a little while. i got to check the page here and see if anybody's... But usually on the page, the, the, the podcast doesn't get much activity at all, and I don't understand why. Eighty Just crossed 83,000 people the other day. It just doesn't... Facebook, for some reason, it doesn't reach. It's reaching 928 people out of 83,000. <laughs> something wrong there well the feedback is so important right because it may sound good to us you know in our headphones but we're not sure how it sounds out there right until we listen back later of course yeah which is too late to make a correction at that point right and I have not made really any adjustments here I, I've been looking at the meter looks good I got a new mixer for those of you that missed last week's episode Got a brand new Mackie mixer. I love it. Trying to make this thing sound better for y'all and for us. Uh, this whole the the cover band central thing. Something to do with the cover bands. What is this? Oh my god. Um. All right. This this is a constant thing that I need to monitor. And I, I have to, and I put this out there today too, that I probably need to enlist some help in the group because it's just too much for me to manage by myself. It's There's so much activity on there that it's just... It's a full-time job. Yeah. Um, oh, really? Okay. Somebody... <laughs> I, I have so much power here, though, man. I can just kick people out and delete all their posts, delete people that they invited here, completely block them so they can't even see the group. 
Um, I can put people in like a timeout and just mute mute them for like an hour or a day or a week or a month. So, you know, people will get away with stuff for a second and then... Uh, all right. So somebody just put up a video that's violent and it has nothing to do with bands or cover bands or anything. And it's like, come on, man. But that's what's going to happen. But if I had a website that was a paid subscription for an undetermined amount of money, you know, uh, then we would not have things like that on there. So anybody out there is listening, that's probably going to be the way we're going to go. And hopefully uh, you come on board. Because it, there's so much, so many tools, so many resources that can be offered with this thing. And I said today on the live broadcast that I want to make this the best site for musicians on the internet in the world. And that I'm not going to stop until I do that. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Kel mentioned that um, you guys do one way or another in the key of E a whole step above the original. Because the original is in D. So you do that to accommodate Shuli? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's just a little too low. You know, there's the opposite, right? But again, you're accommodating vocals, right? So whether it's high and you can go down, or if it's too low, you can pick it up, you know? Because Blondie's very low voice, and you know Shuli has a much higher voice, range-wise. Right. And some songs are, especially for guitar players, above everybody else, um, are, are hard to transpose. Uh, and that's a really good skill to to know how to have, uh, especially if you're a guitar player. For bass players like me and Kel, it's not as hard, but it still is a little bit... Uh, like for that song, one way or another, it's, it's really not anything. You're just moving it up a whole step, two frets. And you can really kind of do the same thing that you're doing position-wise. But sometimes when you're changing the key, you need to learn to play the song in a different position. Um, and especially for guitar players, because uh, guitar players a lot rely on open chords, you know, open first position chords, open strings. So if you have, for instance, if you have a song that's in, in E, let's say, and you have to move it up a whole step to F sharp, that's a whole different way of, of thinking about your positioning. Um, and I, I used to play with, uh, Steve, uh, Brown from Trickster. He, he had a, uh, I played with him in a band called Sugar Belly, and then I played with him when he was doing another cover band that was just his thing called Steve Brown's Fallout. And and he used to do um, I, I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick, which is the the original key is A, and he would do it in C sharp. So it was up a, a major third um, from the original key. So that was, like, when he told me that, I was like, okay, wow, I really have to rethink the way I'm playing the song completely different um, as far as the position is concerned. So that's a really good skill to obtain. Um, um, obviously not for drummers, but <laughs> but if you're playing a fretted instrument or an, an instrument... I can change with, that on the fly at any time. I got that down. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, in keyboard players, it's it's really not that much more difficult for. for. But guitar players and bass players, um, there, there's... Uh, this, it's a good skill to have. It's a good skill to learn yourself and and do it. Just like play around with it, um, and that will help you develop that skill. It's like take a song that you you know cold, and then try to play it in a different key, 
just by yourself um, just to to get used to that the mechanics of, of transposing because um, you're gonna if you have any sort of long um, career or um, life in playing in bands you're going to f- come across that where you're 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 asked to play something in a different key and sometimes it's right there on the fly on stage well and to your point you know keyboards they have it built in right they have a built-in uh, modulation yeah control, right? where you can you can transpose it on the fly too you click the button and you still play everything the same but it, it detunes it for you yeah not all keyboard setups have that where because some people i used to play with this guy uh, a couple years ago who um had a pretty elaborate keyboard setup and he couldn't just click a button and change the tuning uh on that so i don't know how that all works was exactly. that elaborate then was it i well no i well i don't even know <laughs> i don't even know i know like i can do i have a keyboard here and i know i can do it like i can change the tuning on it but he had just more things going on than just a simple keyboard um, so, um, but I mean, if you need to change the key on a keyboard, as far as the playing is concerned, it's, it's not as, that was the point, I guess. It's not as difficult as a stringed instrument because you're not, you're not thinking about open strings and first position chords and stuff like that. So, so yeah, that's that. So once it, what, what, uh. Is it Saturday, your your gig? Yep, Saturday night. Uh, well, actually, Saturday afternoon, we load in at like 3. You know, we're done set, uh, sound check set up by 5. Guests start arriving around 6. Goes till about 10 or 11. Uh, so, not bad. It's about an hour away from, from where I live. So, head out around 2 and get home probably at 1. So, typical, you know, 10, 11, 12-hour day. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing about parties, man, or, or weddings. Sometimes you got to show up a lot earlier than you actually have to perform. Yeah, well, my thought is there's so many people, you know, and it's at a residence. Uh, you want to get there and be, you know, in and back in the driveway and, you know, to where you have to get before, you know, we've all been there, right? You show up to a gig late and there's already a ton of cars parked right in the way, you know, and for a drummer, that's like terrible, right? Because they got to carry all your stuff. Oh, right, right. A far distance potentially and you know depending on the obstacles i mean i remember we played a gig one time we get there early we roll up the house it's set back from the street a little bit but it's downhill long story short from where the driveway was that we backed in right to the garage was like a hundred yards away to where we were playing down probably like 80 steps oh yeah yeah up and down and up and down and you know just so I navigated a different way at the end of the night to throw my stuff stuff over the fence on the other side of the property and come up the side yard which was much easier right um so that's uh good advice for for getting to gigs early yeah, you get there early, you get the lay of the land, there's no pressure, you can load in, you can find, you know, alternate routes to get your gear to where it has to get to, you fight the traffic if it's catered or there's flowers or there's people there, you know, right. other people might be in vying for a position in the driveway. Right. Can you do this for me this weekend? Can you, if you think of it when you're there, can you take some pictures of, you know, your setup or, or just the, the location, take them on your phone or maybe Cal can do it too and 
and Cal can post uh, post them on Facebook, or you can send them to me, just so I can you know put a little visual to uh, you know to for the listeners. You know, I'll put some uh, some pictures in this thing if I can figure out how to put pictures in this thing. Um, you know, it's nice to have a visual of all this stuff. Absolutely. Cool. Very good. All right. Well, uh, we are at an hour. A little over. It's Cover Band Central Wisdom Hour number 20, my friend. What do you think? How do we do? Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Facebook.com slash Cover Band Central. Tony's site is the Weisenheimers, the Weisenheimers.com. We'll see you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.